Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Good morning. I'm Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest. And if you could, just go ahead and open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, first page of your Bible. I get the joy of being with you guys for two weeks, this week and next week. So if there are dramatically fewer people next week, I know how this week went. (laughs) Two weeks with you. This week we are gonna be doing a theology of go. Next week will be a life of go. Uh, We wanna see what scripture teaches us about going, about being on God's mission, about our purpose in God's plan as the church and as individuals. Um, Often uh, sermons about going can tend to start and stop in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and we'll get there. That's a climactic passage that we call the Great Commission, but we're not gonna start there. We're gonna walk through some different passages across scripture and look at the theme of go, and it's actually staggering how this can be seen throughout God's word. Uh, We can't even begin to touch on the theme of go in 40 minutes together this morning. Um, My desire, though, is to walk through a few passages, and my desire is that uh, for us this morning that we have three takeaways from today and I'm just gonna give them to you right up front so that we can just sit in God's word together. Is that all right? Three takeaways today. First, God pursues us. God pursues us. God mercifully, graciously, and lovingly pursues us. First thing. Second thing, we pursue others on his behalf. We pursue others on his behalf. God has mercifully, graciously, and lovingly pursued us, and that causes us to to worship him and, and to love him, and then that overflows in us lovingly and intentionally pursuing others on his behalf. God pursues us. We pursue on his behalf, and third, It's our privilege and our joy to be on mission with God. It's our privilege and our joy to be on mission with God. Going and pursuing others with the gospel is not just our purpose and our commission. It's our privilege. It's our joy to be on mission with God. We don't have to. We get to. Uh, Steve Timmis, a A pastor in the UK says this, he says, God's purpose, God's purpose has always been to have a people for himself, a people that he reveals his glory to and displays his glory through. God's purpose 
has always been to have a people for himself, a people that he reveals his glory to and a people that he displays his glory to through. I want us to see that here today. We are God's people on God's mission for God's glory. I want us to just walk through these passages and see how God has commanded us to go, although he does, although he did. I want us to see his beauty. I want us to see his beauty and his pursuit of us, and I want us to worship him this morning and to see how that worship and that love for him overflows in obedient, loving, joyful, restful pursuit of others on his behalf and for his glory. It starts with seeing the pursuit of a just and loving God. We have been rescued for a purpose to go. Genesis chapter one, are you there? Let's start in verse one, that's a good place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Let's go to day six, look down at verse 26. Then God said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, reign over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The God of the universe, the triune God, sovereign, self-sufficient, almighty, perfect, needing nothing and no one creates man and women in his image. After his likeness, we are not just another creation. We share the likeness of our creator. We have dignity and worth in that. And we were created to exist in a unique relationship with him. I was thinking about this this week. And as I was thinking about it, it caused me to think back to, because I asked the question when I came to this text, I'm like, what was it like for Adam and Eve to wake up from being created? Like, what was that moment like? And I thought back to when, to when I held each one of my kids for the first time in the hospital. That was emotional. They're gonna be seven, nine, and 11 this year. Of course, my wife is like, they're still six, eight, and 10. 
I remember that, right? Like holding that little baby. And it's almost just like they, they ooze joy until their first diaper. <laughs> but you're just like, it's like you can't get enough of it. And I don't know about you, but first time I held my child, like I introduced myself. You know, like, I remember putting my hand on their chest, and I was just feeling them breathe. They struggled to open their eyes and look at me. And I was just like, hey, King. Hey, Kenzie. Hey, little dude. I'm Daddy. Welcome to the world. I love you. I wonder what it was like for Adam and Eve to open their eyes to the glory of the Lord and his creation. I wonder if it was like, what in the world? And the Lord being like, hey, Adam, you're Eve. I'm your father. Welcome to my world. I love you. It's not there. I'm imagining this. I just, side note, I just want to encourage you. Imagine as you read this word. Imagine as you listen to God in his word. No, we're not gonna go write a book about what the first moments of Adam and Eve were like. We don't know. But there is mystery and wonder in these pages that God has given us, not to just be read over, but to be enjoyed, and to be wondered at, and to be worshiped through. What's God do? Verse 28. And God blessed them. He blesses them. He blesses them with life and the ability to reproduce. And then what's he do? And he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. He gives them a purpose. He says, you will be my visible representatives. You'll be the visible representatives of an invisible God and you're to be fruitful and multiply and steward and have dominion over my creation. You will be my servants on my mission, reflecting and mirroring God and ruling over the world on his behalf. God is revealing his glory to and displaying his glory through. He creates the world to bless the world and to fill it with his presence. Man's purpose Join him in doing that. To be his representatives and to spread the knowledge of him to the ends of the earth. To go. God has been pursuing us from the foundations of the world. From creation. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. It says, before I formed you in the womb... That's awesome. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you a, a prophet to the nations. Maybe this is the only thing you hear this morning. You are created in his image. You have worth and purpose and dignity in his image. And not just you, others too. That person beside you this morning, your spouse, an ex-spouse, a child, a father, a friend, the guy at work you don't really like, your enemy, you have worth, they have worth and a purpose. God takes the initiative and he creates you and he has created them and in creating us, he's pursuing us and has a purpose for us and he desires to reveal his glory to you and to display his glory through you. He wants you to exist. He wants to be in relationship with you. You might be like, he hasn't ever pursued me. I'm happy to tell you this morning that you're wrong. You are here breathing this morning and your existence here this morning at this moment is evidence of the loving pursuit of God. You are sitting here today amongst God's people under the teaching of God's word and he is pursuing you and he has pursued you from creation. Look over Couple pages to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we're actually gonna start there in verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden. 
was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. See, desiring to be God rather than with God, Adam and Eve disobey. And sin enters and distorts and distances and destroys. And in their guilt and fear, they run and hide. What will the Lord do? I wonder, what what does he do? Verse nine, and the Lord God called to the man. He says, where are you? Another way to translate that there is, where are you hiding? Adam, Eve, where are you? Why call? Right? Sovereign God of the universe. He knows right where you're at. It's the worst game of hide and seek ever. <laughs> but he calls to them. He's seeking them. And he demonstrates by the sound of his voice the beauty of his grace and his love and his faithfulness even in the wake of their disobedience, in in all their guilt and shame and sin and rebellion, he calls to them. He calls them to repentance and forgiveness. He takes the initiative and he pursues them. And then look down, verse 14 and following, he explains to them the consequences of their actions. Promises that one will come who will crush the head of the serpent and he'll make this right. And then what's he do? Look down in verse 21. He clothes them and protects them and provides for them even by putting them out of the garden. And he deals with them Justly and yet so mercifully and graciously. Romans 5 8 says this it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were hiding. Christ died for us. He pursues us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, hiding in our guilt and shame, Christ died for us. God graciously pursues us. He graciously calls out to us in Jesus Christ. He calls us to faith and repentance and now we pursue others on his behalf. We call out, where are you? 
Why, why are you hiding? He, he loves you. He wants relationship with you. Because of Jesus, you don't have to cower in your fear and your guilt and your shame any longer. My little boy this week said to my wife, Amy, he goes, you know, I guess, Mom, then, Jesus is kind of like a car wash. Like, you go in all dirty and nasty, and he scrubs you all clean from your sin. Actually, he goes, scrubs you all clean from your sin. Yeah, he kind of does, Corvin. And so we go. And we pursue the lost as an overflow of his pursuit of us. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12, just a few pages over. Genesis chapter 12. Surprisingly, this happens right after Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, we have the, the Tower of Babel and mankind saying, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And then the Lord graciously and justly and rightly coming down and confusing the languages and, and dispersing the people. In the wake of that, we have Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 1. And the Lord said to Abram, go, go from your country and go from your kindred and go from your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God pursues Abram, pagan man amongst a pagan people. God initiates, God pursues. It's nothing Abram has done, but by God's sovereign grace, he comes to Abram and he says, go, go out from Everything that you know, go and trust me and I will bless you and I will make you into a great nation and I will be with you. Why? So that you will be a blessing. The blessing here is for the sake of the nations. All nations will be blessed through Israel, through God's people. The blessing isn't just for them. It's not just for you or me. It's intended to be spread through you, God's saying to Abram. You are the conduit of God's grace and blessing to the world, bringing knowledge of him to everyone. Go. Go in obedience and be a vehicle of blessing overflowing from your blessing. All of this culminating ultimately in Jesus. The Christ, the Messiah will come through the line of Abraham and the gospel will be spread to the ends of the earth. God's been gracious to his people and he's blessed us so that we may be a blessing to people 
and that others would turn to him and enjoy worshiping him along with us. We're blessed so that we may join God on his mission to be worshiped and praised amongst all people. We have been pursued out of no merit of our own. We have been blessed. Go. Turn over to Psalm 96. It's page, I think, 499 in the Bibles that you have on the back of the chairs. Psalm 96. Psalm 96, I like to call a, a blueprint of go. Kind of like the perfect blueprint right here of going. Look there, Psalm 96, verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all people. Verse four, because for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared among all gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols for the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families, of all peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering and come into his courts and worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. blueprint of go. How does it start there in the first verse? Sing. <laughs> Worship. We have experienced salvation from the Lord. He's pursued us when we deserved nothing. Sing. Worship. And then what? Verse two. Tell. Proclaim. His salvation, his deliverance, when? From day to day, every single day. Then what? Verse three, declare, publish to the nations. Why? For great is the Lord. Worship overflows in mission. The proclamation of his greatness to everyone. And we want everyone to worship him, don't we? Then tell them. Go. Worship is the goal of our going, right? We, we go and tell and proclaim so that Others will turn to the Lord and worship him and be gathered into his church. We seek to multiply worshipers of Jesus across the whole world. Worship is the goal of our going and worship, worship is our motivation. 
It's the reason we go and we tell. Our worship, our love for him overflows in mission. He's graciously pursued us, and so now we pursue others. We pursue everyone on his behalf, on his behalf. Now, turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Should be page 835 in the Bibles that you have on the back of the chairs. Matthew chapter 28. not going to start in verse 18. We're going to start in verse 1. And before Matthew 28 is Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, we have the account of the crucifixion of Christ. And now out of that comes Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. (laughs) We can't rush past that. We have to stop and celebrate. This is the height of God's pursuit of us. Jesus, the Son of God, fully man and fully God, takes our place on the cross. He's our penalty. He's our substitute. And then what? He rises in victory from the dead. Jesus, the perfect image of God, now, by the grace of God, salvation is freely offered to us in Jesus Christ if we but by faith turn from our sins and place our trust in him for our salvation. Hallelujah. Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. No, he's not here. For he has risen as he said. And I kind of picture a long pause with gaping mouths. And he goes, come, see the place where he lay. And then, go quickly, tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I've told you. Verse eight, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. (laughs) And they came up. Hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, again, don't be afraid. Go. Tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Look down verse 16. Verse 16. Now, 
the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. In the wake of life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, they fall at his feet and they worship him. See, this all happens in the context of worship, this whole commission, this command happens within the context of worship. You see, now, now they are ready for the commission. Now they're ready for the mission. They've been properly humbled and they are worshiping at the feet of their king. And now, now he'll tell them what to do. How gracious of him. Gracious. He could have just commanded them, right? He's King Jesus. He could have just said, I'm the king. Go do this. And those of us who are very black and white would love that. Go do this, but how wise and how gracious of him that he allows them to worship. And, and look at that next part. But some doubted. How wise and gracious of him that he allows them to worship and to doubt even before he gives them their commission. See, the Great Commission isn't some afterthought of Jesus' ministry. It's the culmination of everything he's done. He didn't just show up one day and command this. He created them. He lived with them. He cared for them and taught them and served them. And then he died and rose for them. And then the commission. What's that commission? Look at verse 18. When Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority. This is a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7 where it talks about all authority being given to the Messiah. How much authority? Not some authority, not most authority, right? All authority, he says, has been given to who? You, me, Satan? No. He says it's been given to me. He is the king. He is Lord. Authority is all his. He's sovereign over it all. And, and, and God's sovereignty doesn't keep us from going. God's sovereignty motivates us to go. We go obediently and faithfully and persistently by his authority, sowing gospel seeds while confidently trusting him to do his work. What do you want us to do, Lord? Verse 19. Therefore, go. In light of my authority, trust me and go. 
in light of my creation and my call to you and my life with you and my death and my resurrection, go and do what? And make disciples. See, we don't just go just to go. We don't go and just wander around. Our going has substance and purpose and meaning and intentionality. This is, this is a summons to join God on his mission to redeem people from all peoples. This is the Lord saying, listen, I've pursued you. Now pursue others on my behalf. Join me in what I'm doing. Who do we go to, Lord? Go, make disciples of all nations. Who? All nations. This is panta ta ethne, all people groups, all ethnicities. We're all to go and make disciples. Not everywhere. That's not possible, right? We, we can't go to everyone as individuals, can we? That's not possible either. But the church can. The universal church can go. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends, to strangers, to our coworkers, to our children, to our enemies supposed to go and display and proclaim the glory of God to the ends of the earth and not just those that we're comfortable with, not the, just those who are like me or in my family and in, or my friends, all people, all people. And what do, what's that look like, Lord? Well, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and Teaching them to obey, teaching them to observe what? All that I have commanded you, whatever I have commanded you, including this one, the whole counsel of God, all his teaching. And now, now look, now look, then comes this beautiful promise. He says, and, and behold, and remember, I'm with you. I'm with you always the age he's with us God meets us in our going we abide with him in our going as we are trusting him and completely dependent upon him and walking obediently with him on his mission he is with us Humbling us, making us more like himself, dwelling with us. How can we do this? He's with us. It's by his power, not ours. It's his work, right? We save no one. He doesn't need us. It's him that changes hearts and lives. We rest in that. The Holy Spirit gets all the glory, all the credit, but he graciously includes us. 
He graciously uses us and is with us as instruments in his plan to multiply worshipers across time and throughout all people. Going is not just our purpose. It's not just our commission. It's not just some other task that we have to do. Busy, busy, busy. It's not that. It's our privilege and our joy with God we've been pursued and God has worked a miracle in us and softened our hard hearts and infused faith into us and blessed us with salvation in Jesus Christ so now we pursue others on his behalf the command is not just a one-time thing. It's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's our commission. It's characteristic of our lives as Christians in the church. It's, it's our purpose as we bring glory to God in this life on mission with him. Displaying and proclaiming Jesus to everyone and gathering them into the church. His bride. God's people. On God's mission. God's glory. We're ordinary people. We're ordinary people who've been pursued by an extraordinary God. And together, we have an amazing mission in the ordinary of our lives. Pursuing others by his power and on his behalf, and for his glory, and he, he will accomplish his mission. Revelation 5, 9 says, they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll, and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed people for God, from every tribe, and language, and people, and nation, and we get to be part of that. Go. Go. If we had time, we could go to Exodus and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Luke and Romans and 1 Peter and see this theme of go. We don't have time. Next week, a life of go. A life of go. Father, awesome the mystery that is that you would pursue us while we were still sinners send your son and take our place is mind blowing and glorious and forgive us for so often walking through this life so haphazardly having lost sight of the beauty that it means to be redeemed, to be your children, to be part of your bride, Lord. Help us to be more and more and more aware of that every day, Lord. And would you graciously, by the power of your spirit working in us, help us to worship you and allow that worship to overflow in loving pursuit of others. Lord, would you, would you cultivate 
in us an increased passion and care and compassion for lost people? Would you give us eyes to see those who, who are around us, who are being pursued by you, but just don't even realize it? Would you give us words to say and actions to live that would point to your beauty and your glory? Father, show us your glory so that we might display your glory to a lost and dying world. Thank you for including us as part of your mission to redeem people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Thank you. Thank you for your promise that you are with us, Lord. We love you. In your awesome name.